tragedy can rock any family at any time. Suicide in a younger population is a conversation that is a hidden taboo. Only by having honest conversations can we prevent this suffering and pain. One father speaks out about his pain and the support that's on offer. LA 519. You're listening to Getting It Wrong to Get It Right. First off, just to say, actually, Luke, when he passed, he was 16. He, he died by suicide. Um, my wife and I, we decided to set up LA 519. Um, uh, and we did that in... 2021 um around the time of luke's birthday which would have been his 18th birthday um and the reason was we had just heard of another young person young lad that had died by suicide and at that point it was the fifth person that i know of that was a young person and by that i mean under the age of 25 that had died by suicide within a 15 kilometer radius of where I live. And um, we were, oh my God, not another boy, wow. And we realized that there's something, that there's something amiss in our community here. Um, all these young people are dying, what's happening? And, and we felt we needed to do something to try and help people out there and reduce this death by suicide um these growing numbers of young people dying by suicide so so we we agreed we would do something and the result is la 519 so it's a non-profit organization we set it up it, it actually in may of that year so may 2021 and really it, its main purpose is it's not to reinvent the wheel. It's not to compete with other organizations. In fact, it's very much the opposite. It's actually to help people access supports that are out there and actually to help them become aware of it or aware of those supports. Because in our case, we weren't, we didn't know. Um, in 2019, which isn't that far long ago, um, uh, we were struggling to get help for our son. Our son had come to us. He had told us he was having suicidal thoughts. We'd gone to our GP. Our GP had referred us to a child psychiatrist in Dublin, and we, we traveled there and uh, had a few follow-up sessions. We were then referred to CAMS, um, but we actually never got to, to meet with CAMS or, or the doctor in CAMS because our son, every time there was an appointment, he would avoid the appointment. He would disappear. He would go away. He would resist going. Um, and a month after we'd lost our son, I was with a cousin of mine. We were sitting in a car. We'd just come from a, a, a walk. And he mentioned an organization called So Sad, which um, 
is about helping people with um, suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts. They're in, they're, they're actually local to my town. I'd never heard of them. I didn't know they ever existed. I then very quickly realized there's a whole load of supports very close to us, but no one had thought to tell me. The GP hadn't thought to tell me. The child psychiatrist hadn't thought to tell me. The the doctors and CAMs hadn't thought, you know, to say, here, here's an alternative number, someone you could speak to. They, they specialize in this field and they'll go and they'll meet you at home and they'll help. Um, so I realized that there's a gap and the gap is that people who are struggling with their emotions and 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 thoughts and 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 having suicidal ideation um probably will open up to somebody really close and they will probably ask them to keep it a secret and in our case our son asked us to keep a secret it was his biggest darkest secret and we agreed to do that and so it was really just the gp and the child psychiatrist and we didn't go beyond that. And so it was a very lonely place and a very isolated place. And um, because of that, because we agreed to keep that secret, we isolated ourselves from a lot of supports that were out there. The question that's just arising with me is that we've heard this from a lot of different industries as well, that there's a misjointed of communication that there are so many things out there that stop people from getting help because they're not aware of them, because none of these organizations are communicating with each other. You would like to think there's some sort of directory that one can go to and find it. Like in business, there's directories for everything. There should be directories from this. And the other part of it as well is you mentioned just at the beginning that in your local community, there were so many suicides, but those suicides are in every community, in every part of Ireland, in every part of England, in every part of the world. There are those, those young, tragic losses. Why do you think there are such losses at such young ages? And it's been, and why? Do you feel it's been hidden to let people be aware of these as well so they can be vigilant for their own families? Yeah. Um, okay. A couple of things there. Um, so when we set up LA519, uh, I started doing a lot of research into this and I very quickly became aware of the fact that suicide uh, is one of the biggest killers in the world. And it is the biggest killer of people under the age of 35. It's the number one killer. And if you just then take men and consider men, well, then that, that figure goes up to 50. And it's the biggest killer in the, on the British Isles, including Ireland, of males under the age of 50. Um so some startling facts there. Um, I also learned that the World Health Organization actually has noted that depression is the biggest form of suffering now 
to mankind on earth. So the human race, its biggest form of suffering now is depression. And the second thing that the World Health Organization has noted is that it's growing and particularly among young people. So again, that's quite startling fact and stuff we have to deal with. Now, why is it we're not connecting to supports that are already there or in our community that we don't see or, or approach? I, I believe stigma plays a big role with that. We have been very active since setting up LA519 in going out into the community. So our key approach is not to actually have an office with a counsellor sitting there waiting for people to come in. There are lots of organisations doing that. So we figured, no, that we won't do that. We promote all the organisations that we know of. And that's what we do through our Instagram and Facebook and, and in particular our website. So all those supports are on our website and they're all promoted there and links to them. But what we do is we go into schools, particularly secondary schools and primary schools, and we go to sports clubs and we go to community centres and we go into the community as such. And we offer resilience talks. That's the biggest thing we do is we have a a 90 minute resilience talk to make people, to help them through the thought process and make them realize they're not alone. And, and also to make them aware of the supports that are around them. Um, so we actively do that. Uh, to date, we have delivered resilience talks to about 2,300 students and several hundred teachers. The other thing we're quite active in is QPR. QPR is a suicide prevention training. So it's like CPR, except it's CPR for the mind. And um, to date, we've trained about 430 or 40 odd uh, school teachers on QPR. QPR on it. Like the stats that you gave is there coming out of the World Health Organization. It's quite scary and alarming. And even, you know, going back down to under the age of 35. And I think anyone listening to this will could count more than just one person that they've lost to suicide. And the world seems to be a very fast moving place at the moment. And with the digital technologies that we have in place, everybody is connected. But in fact, everybody is, can be alone. You know, I've said this multiple times and you could be in a location or a bar or a party with hundreds of people and still be the most loneliest person on the planet. And the reason why I say that, because I felt it. I know when I was living abroad and in a, in a place on my own before I got to know anybody, that's how I felt. And then just through time, getting to know people because it's interaction and it's communication that interaction is the biggest thing that we need as people. Can we blame digital social media as part that contributes to mental health for young people? Um, I don't like blaming, but I take on board your point and Yes, social media plays a role. The irony in it is that 
young people have become less connected because of smartphones and social media. So whilst it would seem there's an improvement in communication technology and the ability to connect, in actual fact, there's a gap and there's a breakdown and actual real connection with people, uh, particularly the younger generation, is not as, as, as strong or uh, as good as it would have been years ago. That's even like someone who's listening to this, Barry might go, well, yeah, you know, my kid is on the phone, but I think parents as well are stuck into their phones as much and they need to get off the phone as well and communicate with their children. Like one of our kids who was 11 now have a smartphone and hasn't had the smartphone up to then, which they absorbed massive amount of books. Now they have the smartphone and they're only allowed to speak to their friends. They don't have Instagram. They don't have TikTok. They don't have any other of these social platforms. They have it through Snapchat, only talk to their friends. Uh, WhatsApp, only talk to their friends. And then maybe one or two video games that they have on. But that's it. And also we're even noticing that they're stuck to it. 24 7 and it's sort of as a parent to get you a little bit get off that phone i'm sick of you on that phone i think you can let things go where there's boundaries that need to be put in place as well the reason why i'm bringing this up is because i think it's an important part of prevention because even as an adult if i'm stuck in my phone or if all the adults out there listening we're not seeing what's going on in the world around us yeah and I, I, I absolutely agree. We have six kids. Well, Lucas passed, but we we still have five above ground. And um, our youngest, our daughter, I actively go to her at night and I take the phone off her because to me it's important that she gets time to actually de-stress or come down from the the blue light and the, the highs of beyond on the phone and and relax before going to sleep. So um, I, I'm not very popular. In fact, so I get so many things said to me and we've had arguments. And uh, But to be a good parent, I have to take that phone, and I do, and it's every night at 10 o'clock. It's off, no phones in the bedroom. It's off, go and read. Yeah, we work that as well. Yeah, yeah. I take it and I bring it, and I actually have it beside me at the bed. But in any event, should you get back to your earlier point, yes, there is actually less connection. And even myself now, um, I realize, I've come to realize that I'm actually on the phone too much and I, and I need to come off it. So I've now started a routine for myself where I will actually put my phone in the drawer and I leave it there alongside the car keys until the following morning when I come, when, when I go to um, leave again. In fact, I, I've set up a charging point by the drawer, so I charge it there. It is important. Like we did a 10-day detox. So we asked people who are listening to get off their phones for 10 days, not go onto any social media for 10 days. And the people that do it have come back and said how much they have realized in the present and how much they were addicted to picking up their phone and picking it up. But 
the reason why I'm sort of bringing this up is we said at the beginning of the question was, is it a contributing part to young people feeling disconnected, which then can add to depression, which then can add to tragedy? And do we need to look, take a check and reevaluate our family values and our structures so it doesn't happen? Um, yes, I think we do. But I, I think everyone needs to at regularly do that for themselves and for their family, uh, be it once a month or, or, or whenever. Stop, pause think about where they are, what they're doing, and their their family, their family circle, their, their partner, their husband or wife, their uh, kids, and and just think that through. And then and and the most important thing is everyone's happiness and everyone's well being. It's more important than anything in my opinion. Um some people in the modern day society get too focused on success and success they can possibly never really get to. They don't realize that actual success is within their gift and that is in the environment they are in at the moment and being content with it and being thankful for it. You know, they, they spend too much ch time chasing something that they may never actually fully get. And in doing so, don't see what they truly have and therefore are blinkered. So, yeah, I, I think we all need to pause often and reevaluate what we do and where we are and just ground ourselves and, and connect better. You know that if you jump online and you're kind of worried about your children, we're all worried about our kids, you know, it's what signs to look out for if they're feeling down but it's very hard as well to figure out those signs because you you know we all have have friends who are happy and you think everything is wonderful and then the next day you hear they've they've decided to vacate here is there a way that we can look for the signs and what is the proper communication that we should be doing or interacting with young people so they know that this is something that will pass and how to deal with it so they can be adults? And I'm sure that's part of your resilience talk as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so there are two things there. You, you started by asking about signs, other signs. Yes. Not in 100% of cases, but certainly the vast majority, well over 90% of cases, there are signs. There are always signs. And it's to be a bit more acutely aware of that. And you will notice them. And it's when those signs come to actually then have the courage to ask the question. So the first point is, are there signs? Yes, there are signs. Be be aware that there are signs. And try to keep a heightened tenor to see can you pick up on signs. The second thing is when you do pick up on a sign, you've got to ask the question and asking. And that, that's what QPR is about. Question, 
persuade, refer. And it's to help you and give you the courage to ask the question and, and, and to understand how to ask the question. But basically, you got to ask that question, uh, which is, how are you? Are you having suicidal thoughts? You may have to go as far as asking that. Or are you self-harming? Um, you may you may not want to go straight to that point, but you got to get there in a very short time and you got to ask that question. Um, and yes, yes, there are pathways out of this. If we take Ireland for an example, again, doing my research and doing various different courses before setting up LA 519, I've learned that in Ireland, on average, ballpark, about 500 people die by suicide a year. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but that, that's an average. But actual attempts in a given year, in a given 12-month period in Ireland, is 12,500. So 12,500 survive. So 12,500 go to uh, A&E. So 12,500 are actually consulted through a consultant and given specialist help through the likes of HSE and, and what have you. And that's every year. And they do get over it and they do survive. So it's important that you do ask the question and do refer. And not in all cases, but in 95% of cases, if not more, you will get over that hurdle and they will live a healthy life. And, and statistics prove that. Is it normal? You know, every child, when they're going from a child into adolescence into adult there's a massive internal change going on and then the external changes as well that there's a lot of confusion a lot of feeling down you know tell me a parent that hasn't told me that their, that their child says i hate you and i wish you were dead or i hate you i wish i was dead my life is over and ruined yeah i uh, the thing is the most important thing is uh, regardless of what's said, you must always keep the connection and you must always keep the communication. That's so important. And there are times, regardless of what's done, regardless of what's said, you being the bigger person, being the adult, have to go and reconnect and possibly humble pie, whatever it may be. But you must keep the connection. You must keep the communication going and you must do all you can of course you do of course you do just tell them you love them you you love them yeah i was thinking about this the other day barry and i think this is something which is very crucial parents have lived lives and have had experiences outside of their family that shaped them of who they are and they have taken pieces of knowledge and wisdom and experience and expression from their global world and they're bringing this into the household. The children that are in the household don't know or experience anything else except what's going on in their household because they haven't lived or traveled or seen the world from outside of this cocoon. And they can only relate to what the cocoon is of what life is like. 
So we may as parents forget that because we've had so many multiple experiences through life as we grow to adults. And I think we need to stop and say, okay, they're only aware of what this is. And all we can do is help them, nurture them to prepare them for the outside real world. Yeah. Yeah. No. Also, you got to remember a lot of these kids are going to schools. These are big schools usually nowadays. And there are many different cultures now in, in schools. And that combined with social media and, and all it brings to all these young people, um, they are getting introduced to lots of other things that you may not be aware of. Like we do a lot of work with schools. We're very active in the schools. And um, the feedback I'm getting from some of the teachers and principals, it can be, it is actually concerning. And it's a case that peer pressure, there's a lot of it. Peer pressure has been used to actually promote and sell drugs in schools. Peer pressure has been used, I mean, isolation has been used as a form of bullying. Images is a big thing. And even with Instagram, images influence kids, young kids, more so than you realize. So there's a lot more going on now with young adults compared to my lifetime as as an adult, a young adult or yours. And the big thing here is, We've, we, we can't wrap them in cotton wool. We can't molly cuddle our kids. We, we actually have to be prepared to let them go a bit, but all the time we keep communicating with them and all the time we keep advising them of the best thing and it will eventually sink in. The resilience talks that we offer to, to kids, the key thing is kids need to lose um, a football game they need to uh, fail a test they need to they need to experience things in life where they haven't quite achieved what they wanted they've had a setback a knockback and they dust themselves off get up and go again so it's okay to lose a game it's okay to fail a test. It's okay to have lost a pet. These are things that prepare them for other knocks in life. And molly coddling our kids or all the time making life really good isn't the best approach. Uh, they need knocks. There is the argument, you know, that they shouldn't be giving kids medals for just participating. and. It's like the pendulum is swinging from each generation constantly. Like my father, who would say, I was only doing what I thought was best because it's all that I knew when I was raising you. And you sort of take what you learn from your parents and you kind of go maybe the opposite with your own. And then they will maybe do the opposite of what you are. And that's that pendulum that's swinging. But you are right that like we have older kids and younger kids and it is harder now we feel to navigate the younger kids to life than it was the older kids especially with social media and all the other elements and some of the 
educational books that they're trying to introduce into primary schools are not probably just a certain age kids should be kids as well like listening to this i'm kind of writing stuff down myself and i'm going you know i need to do better i need to be better yeah 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 look and it's all about getting the balance and no but no one person is perfect and look uh, i i've made mistakes I probably will still make mistakes, but I, I have to set those aside, learn from them and believe I can do better and, and just keep going forward. The hope's important. Um, when we lost our son, Luke, um, I was uh, devastated. I, I found him. I, uh, I, I tried to bring him back to life. I fought for my son. I, I was broken. I was broken. I couldn't do anything. And for, I, I struggled to go back to work. And really, really, when I look back, there was a year I, I actually wasn't at work. I wasn't present, but I wasn't present for my kids, my other kids, or my wife, or, or my family. But I slowly came to the realization that, you know, it wasn't just me that lost that lost Luke. My wife lost her son. My kids lost their brother. Um, they're all struggling, and I have to be there for them. I have to help them. I I need to. I'm uh, the parent. I'm the father. Uh, I have a role to play. I need to pick myself up, and and be there for them. But one of the most important things is I I sat through the pain and I believe that's that's important I look back now and I realize I'm probably able to go and do the work I do with LA 519 because I sat with the pain I felt that pain and uh, it hasn't gone away by the way but uh, it's still there. It's something I will always live with. But um, I am better for sitting with the pain and I am probably stronger and able to be a parent again to my kids and a husband to my wife. Um, and there's none of this easy and there's none of this good and there's no point saying otherwise um but but i do believe that facing the pain and sitting through it is probably the most important thing i did do um the um the, the work that that we do now um with la519 and, and particularly going into schools and, and promoting resilience talks and, and helping kids uh, is actually quite lethargic in a way. So I believe it is helping me. I was in, interviewed uh, about six months after we set up LA 519 and the lady interviewing me asked me, was it helping me? And I, I immediately went, no, no, I'm not doing this for me. No, no. And then afterwards, 
sitting down, thinking it through, and even reflecting on that question, even a week after she'd asked me, I realized, actually, you know what? She's right. In some strange way, it is helping me. And, and so so I say now it is, because then I realize it does help. Um, but it's not the reason we do it. It's not the reason uh, LA519 exists, but um, it does help. Um, but to get back, is there hope? Yes, there's hope. Yes, uh, life is for living. Life is for joying. Uh, we all hit low points. We all hit really low points. But they do pass. Those low points will pass and better times will come. That's an absolute guarantee. That's a fact. I was listening to Dr. John D. Martini last night. I don't know if you're you're aware of him. He was talking about dealing with someone who had suicide who tendencies, and he sat down with him, and he started asking them questions, and he was saying, "I'm paraphrasing here now, that the more questions that he asked." And the more that he the, he got the person to answer those questions, help that person lift out of the depression. And sometimes it's the voice that wants to be heard. And we have to, you know, what I'm picking up is we have to get those people to answer those questions without feeling stupid or feeling fearful. Because if we can get people to open up and talk, there is where hope is. But it has to be getting them to open up and talk. I've always said in the past, if you want to get to know someone, go walking with them. You know, I can remember when I was 16 myself and feeling down and thought life was over and it's crap and everything. And that's because I was a child of 16 who was dyslexic and felt that there was a part of me missing in the world. But being able to learn that we have greater and better qualities and we are not all in a box. And if we can learn to teach other people just to answer those questions, to show them that they have true great essence within them, more lives may be saved and even more out of those over 12,000 people will will maybe not even attempt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th this is the whole thing. Ask the question. Um, you, you mentioned uh, dyslexic. There, uh, actually, our son Luke was very dyslexic uh, and uh, he struggled at school because of it. Um, I was a big thing for him. Uh, and when we did go to the child psychiatrist, there was the one thing that came out more than anything was school and schooling and dyslexia and how he is in his class group because of it, you know, and he felt inadequate. Um, but yeah, the, the, the big thing is ask the question. So people, if they're having suicidal thoughts and you ask that question and, and they will be surprised if you notice. 
and if you do notice and you ask that question, they'll go, oh my God, are you, you know, there'll be several things that'll go through the mind. First, they'll know, they'll go, oh, you've noticed. But they'll also go, oh, you care. Oh, it matters. Oh, uh, there's so many thoughts start going. Uh, it triggers so many, many thoughts, all of which helps them to open up. So it's getting them to speak. It's all about asking the question. It's all about talking to them. It's all about keeping the connection. It's all about keeping communication going. And it's all about being aware of the environment your child is in and, and noticing those subtle changes. Um, it, it, it's all of that. Yeah. The one thing is hug your kids. Give them a hug every day. You know, and we ask, we ask our kids every day, how'd you get on today? You know, and at the dinner table, there's no phones and try and just with work and everything that there's a couple of days, Saturdays and Sundays, Sundays, especially you sit down at the table, but there's a couple of days during the week where we all sit down at the table and have dinner together, but there's, there's no phones at the table. Sometimes the table is a shit show. <laughs> is it a rowing? <laughs> And you go, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even even getting them to it is can be a, a shit show. But um yeah, and if if the tables if the phones are put into the center of the table, which we would tend to do, um that in itself can be problematic too. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, no, we they'll put them off yeah. somewhere else and you know, the, the, the dinner table yeah, talk, yeah. you know, it's, and it's quite interesting to see. But uh, it's very hard to get some of teenage boys to hug. Like, um, uh, I, I have a boy who will be 16 now shortly and another boy who is 18 and they're, they're, they don't want to hug at the moment. Now, no, they go, they're going through, they're that, going phase, through that phase. You know, yeah. Now my 25 year old, yeah. he'll hug me. And I met him there on Tuesday night and we had a hug and again, uh, but yeah, they come back and they will hug you. But I, I think they come back after they go out and get a job and they find out there's other people out there and life is somewhat normal. And I think that helps in part of growing up as well. My father, I would have, you know, meet him for once a week or so and have a point with him and there would be occasionally we'd be talking about something and we may have a big blazing row and I would say to him I would say to him I said look you may you and me may have a blazing row so he would have been in his 80s and I said you and me may have a, a, a row but I will not fall out with you and remember that because I love you so we would have a blazing row and I would say this to him, but I also learned that if I have a row with my own children, I will come to them later on and say, it's not your fault. It's my fault. It's not yours. And I would make that very clear with them that I am telling them it wasn't their fault. It was mine. And that helps as well. Yeah. Of course it does. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And it's always important to let them know you love them. Uh, I mean, 
doing the resilience talks, there's a few things stand out. The first thing is um, the absence of judgment. The absence of judgment. The absence of judgment is love. That's what love is. That's what love is. The other thing is, um, and again, this was uh, a, a young woman who had been uh, a heroin addict and had recovered and was clean, clean for 12 months. And um, anyway, she was getting a presentation, but she had um, um tattoo on her arm and the, the tattoo read, broken crayons, still color. And um, I, I thought about that and that statement I can even apply it to me because I was broken um, after we lost Luke, and but now I'm, I'm whilst I'm not a hundred percent, I probably will never be the old Barry again, but I'm an awful lot better. But I'm able to live life and to go on and to um, be a, a parent and a husband and a, and an employer. Um, I can color. I I am coloring the world. Ah. Uh, um. Look, I I I guess um. The biggest heartbreak I've ever experienced has been the loss of my son. Um. The fact that he was a strong, fit, healthy young man at 16 who had everything going for him. Uh, and I didn't really see how how much of a struggle he was going through in his mind. Um, you know, I, I still, as a parent today, live with that and you know um i guess part of that is is getting it wrong um but keeping the rest of us together and going forward as a family is getting it right uh although it's ongoing uh you 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 can't just relax and and sit back. It there's always um, work to be done. Uh, but um, it's realizing there's still a lot to live for. It's realizing uh, life is for living, and there's joy to be got still and to look forward to those good, happy moments that have yet to come. I think that's it. You know, there is joy in the world. We just sometimes forget as well. Barry, if somebody wants to find LA519 or wants to reach out in their club, their school, wants to maybe have someone come in to talk about resilience. How can they find it? 
Yeah, well, um, our website, um, so uh, la519.com. If if you Google us, you'll find us. We have a website. Um, We also are on Instagram, again, la519, or um, Facebook. Uh, Now, I personally don't have Facebook, and I don't know much about Facebook, but I have volunteers who help me with both Instagram and Facebook because I'm not on either, um, and I'm not familiar with how to use them. But we have volunteers who help us with both Instagram and Facebook. And then we have a young lady employed to maintain our website and update it. Uh, again, not my forte. Are you on LinkedIn um, as well? Uh, no, actually, we're not on LinkedIn. Um, maybe we should be. Uh, our, our focus really has been young people. And I guess maybe that's why we haven't gone to LinkedIn Um but I'll write that down. It's something we can do. More for I'm thinking more for parents. I know it's a it's a business platform, but you know, behind businesses there's people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, just um, when we when we set up LA five nineteen, okay. So as I explained earlier, we we did not want to reinvent the wheel. So the first thing we did is we partnered with the National Crisis Line. So the National Crisis Line is a helpline. And the number is 50808. Uh, so if you could remember that, it's five fingers, so like 50808. And um, we, we say this to all the kids at all the schools we go to. Uh, and if you text LA519, so LA, LA's Luke's initials, Luke Ahi. It's also the big city in America that everyone knows of, City of the Angels, Los Angeles. But LA, so remember LA. And then remember five, five is the month of May. That's when Luke died. 19 is the year 2019. And again, that's the year Luke died in. But LA519, that's the prefix. And text that to the number 50808. And there will be instant help. It's anonymous. It's free. And it's 24-7. So even on a Christmas evening or a bank holiday weekend, or any time, morning, noon, night, 24 hours a day, uh, there is help. And it's a train concert. It's all by text, not by phone. But we actively promote this number in the schools uh, before we deliver a resilience talk. Um, again, to help to help the kids remember the LA 519, uh, I tell the story about how we got the name LA 519. Obviously, it's... it's LA519, it's a great name because to kids, it, it's like a band or a cop show or something that they can remember. Yeah, so so it's LA519 and they text that to 50808 and someone will respond to them. That's all it is, is just reaching out and... Yeah, and that's a train concert on the end. It's texting, it's text communicating, it's anonymous, it's free, and it's available 24-7. Um, the other thing, interesting, again, I, from research uh, to setting up LA519, it so happens that May, the, the month of May, which is the five, is when suicide is most prevalent, not just in Ireland, but in the whole world, the world over. 
that's when suicide is most prevalent. And the other thing that, again, I've learned, and again, uh, um, through research, um, in the last 30-odd years, there's been a rise in young people uh, dying by suicide. Um, and when I say young people, I'm talking about people 25 and under. Um, but it's particularly going growing since COVID. Um, but the average age is 19. Uh, so that's another interesting statistic that fits in there alongside LA 519. But LA 519, while I'm able to tell you how we came up with the name, actually what it stands for is local area, local action. So the LA is local area, local action. And we basically bring together all the supports in the local area and make people aware of them. Excellent. Barry, we've run out of time. Look, that was a, a great talk. And I just say, look, I wish you wish you best. And look, I think it's the compassion that we need to have for all generations, for all ages that are going through that internal dialogue, which makes them feel that they're not good enough. And they are. And there's something that I just want to leave people with on this is saying, you were home, you were safe, and you were enough. And never forget yeah. that. Barry, thank you for coming on. Thank the you, show. Joe. Thank you for having me.